All right, let's stand together for the reading of the word. I want to talk to you today about something that everybody in here is likely experiencing in some way or another today. I'm going to talk about pain. We're finishing our wilderness series, and I'm going to finish it on this one because pain is universal, and, and there's nothing that will put you in the wilderness quite like pain. And um, there's just not enough preaching on how God helps us deal with pain. There's psychological pain, there's heartbreak, there's spiritual pain, there's physical pain, there's relational pain, there is financial pain. Pain's a fact of life. What's important is not that you experience it, but how you respond to the pain that comes into your life. So let's read what Paul went through. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6. If you got your Bibles, hold it up. Say, I've got my Bible with me today. Amen. If you come to church without your Bible, you came half-dressed. You visitors, we forgive you. But let's, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6, and let's read now about some of the pain that Paul the Apostle experienced. He said, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, I'm starting at verse 7, not verse 6. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Now I want to insert right here. God did not make Paul sick. God did not send a sickness on him. If you read the context, it is so abundantly clear. He's talking about false teachers who had infiltrated the church and the people were going after them, following them. And it was like a messenger of Satan beating up on Paul because of what was happening. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, let's read it together, we all know it. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Tell your neighbor, I know that's right. Now let's continue. Most gladly, therefore, watch this, I call him the attitude king. Paul's the king of a great attitude. Look what he says. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake. For when, let's read it together, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Give the Lord a hand of praise for that. Isn't that good? That is so true. Now, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that your hand will rest on this service. I pray for the hurting, that they will be encouraged, touched by the Spirit of God, lifted up, strengthened, and, Lord, many of them healed. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you might be hurting, but it's going to get better, and you can be seated. Amen. Now, clearly... The great Apostle Paul uh, knew all about pain. I want you to listen to some of the pain that the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament under the inspiration of God, I want you to listen to the pain the choicest, most anointed, wisest, finest man on earth experienced in his life. 
Listen to this. Back in chapter 11, he describes being shipwrecked and spending 24 hours floating in the middle of the ocean, hanging onto a piece of wreckage that had broken off of a shipwrecked ship. If you can imagine 24 hours in the deep, not knowing when you're going to go to shore or if you're going to shore, all alone, darkness and who knows what underneath you, hanging on, no sleep, no food, no water, 24 hours of utter uncertainty. Talk about a great big God help me. He knew what it was to be whipped five times with 39 lashes. If you had been able to see Paul's back, it would have looked like a road map of scars. Jesus was whipped once with 39 lashes, and it almost took him out. Paul experienced it five times. Can you imagine? Scars on top of scars on top of scars, this man. He knew what it was to be beaten three times with rods. He knew what it was to be put in a stinking, filthy, putrid jail for doing nothing wrong. He ate the putrid food that the incarcerated of that day was given, rotted, worms, stale, terrible. He was there. He knew what it was to be stoned and left for dead. Uh, that is, he, they, they threw rocks at him till he dropped, and, and one of them went up and said, I think he's gone. Okay, good. And they walked away. And he came to and realized the reason nobody was there is because they thought he had died as blood was coming out of his head and other parts of his body where the stones pummeled him. That was Paul, the finest, wisest, bestest man on the planet of that day. He knew what it was to be put in stocks. But not the kind you've seen in the movies, the medieval movies we've all seen, where they put their hands through those holes and their feet, and they're kind of like this. No. In Paul's day, they were stretched, his limbs were stretched to the extremity and put to the farthest possible position and held there with the muscles screaming in pain and screaming for relief, legs in the same position, and he was left there days at a time. When they let you out of those stocks, you couldn't move. Your muscles had atrophied and had frozen in place. And, and, and when you were first out, you had to rework everything in excruciating pain. Paul knew what it was to hurt, to be in physical pain. But I got to tell you, in, in reading the Bible, and the, and the more I read the Bible and the older I get, I tell you, I have a new appreciation for Paul. What a great, great man God raised up in him. He gets a lot of bad raps because people haven't either read him or understood him. I believe in reading Paul's own words that the worst suffering he experienced was not physical, it was emotional at the hands of those he loved. He said, when, when the weak are weak, I feel their weakness in my own heart. He said, I wake up daily carrying the burden of, of all the churches that I have birthed. And there were many. He said, when they fall into sin, I burn inside. Listen to his words. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? It's very, very clear that for Paul, people inflicted the greatest pain. In a kind of a heartbreak, emotional kind of way. 
You find that when he was taken in front of Caesar uh, uh, to, to give a testimony for Christ, he had appealed to Caesar. He said, everybody in Asia forsook me. All of the people I'd led to Christ, all the churches I'd birthed in Asia, not one of them stood with me. They all ran and hid out of fear of their own hide, and they left me alone. But I was not left alone, he said. The Lord stood with me, and the Lord strengthened me, and I was able to give a testimony for Christ even though I stood alone. That was Paul. After all he had done for all these churches, they had drifted away to false teachers. That was the thorn in the flesh. It was the persecution that was coming at him, and it was the infiltration of false teachers corrupting the pure doctrine of Christ to those that he had won to Christ, and it was like a, a devil uh, beating him with a stick. That's, that's the idea. Buffett was to be beaten. He said, there, there's a messenger of Satan that is beating me like with a stick, and it's these false teachers that are carrying away God's dear children, by false teaching, and not only that, but on top of that, they criticized, and they maligned, and they rejected, and they slandered the father of their faith, Paul. He said once, he said, man, the more I love you, the less you love me back. I don't get it, but it's what I'm experiencing with you. People can disappoint, they can reject, they can abuse, they can fail, they can wound, they can betray, they can turn on the very ones who have loved them the most. Have you ever noticed that some of the people that you have loved the most and invested most in are the ones that stick in the knife and turn the handle? And they have great power to do it, like I said last week. If the devil can't defeat you, he'll defeat somebody whose defeat defeats you. And I can change that and say, if the devil can't hurt you, he'll hurt somebody whose hurt hurts you. Some of you today are in pain, not because of your own life, but because of somebody in your orbit that you're close to. And because they're hurting, you're hurting. You've got to walk through pain with them because you love them. It's other people that can and will inflict the deepest pain in life. It might be argued that not a disease, not a physical affliction that you can name is as painful as a false accusation, rejection, misrepresentation, betrayal, the sting and the stab of betrayal. Somebody you love walks out, lies about you, does you dirty, breaks your heart. Now, one of the age-old questions, about faith in God or religion is this one. And the atheist will hit you with this one. I've I've had atheists ask me this, and I've read them asking this in print all the time. Atheists will say, well, wait a minute. If there's a God, then why is there so much suffering, so much evil, so much pain? If there's a God, why does he let this go on? So therefore, there can't be a God. And that's them projecting onto God What they would do, if they were God, they would stop it, but they are ignorant in this sense. They don't know the real God, what his character is like, or how he works all things after the counsel of his own will. They don't know. But here's the the million-dollar question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Good people. Paul, 
Best man on earth. Look at all he went through. Uh, why does God allow suffering and evil? Now, if I were God today, I'm going to tell you truthfully, I'd wrap this whole thing up. I'd give you time to get home. <laughs> and then I'd wrap this whole thing up. I would call it a day. And I would stop all the pain and all the suffering. But all I do know is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He's in charge and I'm not. He's God and I'm not. And I've read the job description and he's the only one that can fill it. All right? But, but this is why the wilderness of pain is so troubling. And I think it's probably the most troubling of all wildernesses. All wilderness experiences, the wilderness of pain, wilderness of hurt, of suffering, because chronic, untreatable, long-term pain gives way to despair. And when you experience despair, let me tell you what it does. It decimates your hope. And we can live without a lot of things. You know, they tell us if you have water, you can live a really well. Jesus went 40 days only on water. Don't try it. That was supernatural for him. But we can live with, with water, uh, uh, but you know what? We can't live without oxygen. We can't live without air very long at all, and we're gone. But here's another thing you can't really live without. You can't live without hope. Hope is when you wake up and you've got a confident expectation that good things are in your future, that God has a plan, God has a destiny, God's in charge, and he's got a plan for you, and he's ordering your steps according to that plan. And though you may have some dark times, it's going to get better because he makes everything work together for the good, and he's going to perform and finish that which he began. And when you know he's in charge, then you have hope. But see, when you've got pain and it continues and it doesn't fix and it doesn't get better, you begin to wonder, the devil hits you, is he really in charge? Is he really there? Is he really powerful? Is he really able to help you? Or are you just praying to the air? Job said, pain is universal. Everybody has pain. Everybody in this room has pain somewhere in your life. Psychological, physical, spiritual, emotional, or relational. You've got pain of some kind. Job said, man is born for trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward out of a campfire. You see those sparks going up and, and you know they're going to go up when you've got a fire. He said, it's that certain that man's going to have trouble. Jesus said, in the world you'll have trouble, you will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome the world. But Jesus said, don't let it, don't, don't kid yourself. Just because you got saved doesn't put you in some protective bubble where you don't experience betrayal or you don't experience affliction or you don't experience trouble. That's not true. He didn't say, I'm going to deliver you out of all pain. Here's what he said. I'm going to deliver you through all pain to the other side. It may not sound like a good faith confession. You may not want to receive this. That's okay. You don't have to. It's still going to be true for you. But pain goes with life. If you're alive, you're going to have pain. How many of you in here have pain somewhere in your life right now? The rest of you, can you come lay hands on me? I see just one or two. All right. That's the pain of lying. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now watch this. Whether you're rich or poor, Whatever your station in life, black, white, yellow, red, doesn't matter. 
you're going to have pain. Now, one of the main reasons we have pain, can I tell you? Here it is. Sin has dealt us a near fatal blow. We're fallen creatures living in a fallen world, and that is a fact. You can't get away from that. That's why there's pain and suffering in the world. God created a perfect world in total harmony. God created a perfect world where there was no death and there was no pain. But when Adam sinned, this is a fact. It says the whole human race fell with him. We have a fallen nature. And because we have a fallen nature, there is trouble in the world. Emotional trouble, marital trouble, domestic trouble, physical trouble, economic trouble. It comes with life. Have you noticed that we're usually in or just emerging from some kind of pain? Almost always. If not personally, then the pain of somebody who's around us. So, guess what I'm not going to preach today? How to avoid pain. Because if I preach that, I'd be lying to you. I wish I could. I wish I had a magic wand and I could just do this. And all of you would be pain-free for the rest of your existence, but I don't have it. I do have a healer. I do have a wise one. I have a counselor. But I can't fix all pain. But here's what I can do. I can talk to you about two things today concerning pain. How God works in it and how to respond to it. Because how we respond to it as we're going through it decides where you're going to end up a year, two years, five or ten years from now. How you respond. So let me talk to you first about how God uses it. First, here's the way God uses pain. In our pain, we learn the power of his word. Nothing, have you ever noticed when you're hurting, you become more spiritual? That is, you seek God, boy, you're in church more. When things are going great, people drop out of church. They get out there and say, you know, I'm just busy. I got so many things going on, I'm just busy. But let some kind of an affliction or some kind of trial or tribulation hit their life. And they're in church and they're on the altar. Oh, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. And they're in the word every day. Now watch. In our pain, if you're a believer, you will learn the power of his word. Psalms 119 verse 67 says, David says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. The message Bible puts it this way. I love this. Before I was afflicted, I wandered all over the place, but now I'm in step with your word. So God uses pain to bring us into line with his will. Psalms 119, verse 50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. I want you to grab your Bible and hold it up real quick. Grab your Bible and just hold it up. Watch this now. Now, here's what Jesus said. I want you to repeat it with me. Jesus said, The words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So in this book, the Word of God, when you read it and when you internalize it, it gives you life. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in the Word of God, there is life. And then Psalms 119.71 says, my suffering was good for me. Can we say that together? My suffering was good for me. For it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. 
Notice that in every one of these passages, we find David testifying to how suffering and pain was the catalyst that led him to discover the power of the Word of God. He says pain motivated him to greater discipline in plumbing the depths of Scripture. In his pain, David made a discovery that God's Word literally injected him with spiritual life. In his pain, he testified, this suffering is working for my good in that it has motivated me to toe the line with God's Word, to come into line with God's will for my life. And that's one way that suffering and pain are used by God for our good. Because we say, man, I'm hurting. Oh, God, I am hurting. God, help me. I'm hurting. He says, I've been waiting to hear from you. So in his pain, David learned the power of God's word. But now here's the second thing. Our deepest life messages are born out of our pain. Our deepest life messages are born out of our deepest pain. Now let me tell you what a life message is. A life message is something that God does in your life that is so distinct, so defining, so powerful that it becomes something you can never forget about and you can never stop talking about. It is something God did uniquely in your life that now it has become one of your life messages. Now, if you've been in this church long, I guarantee you this one thing. You've heard me brag on the power of God's Word. If you've been in here, you know, last week, you heard me bragging on the power of God's Word. I'm always talking about the power of God's Word. Uh, You know why? Because... I have a life message that came out of great pain. I was saved out of the hippie culture. When I was a teenager, a young teenager, the drug culture slammed America. The drug culture hit America hard. And I was unhappy. I was angry. I was an angry young man. And I was looking for an escape out of the pain that I was experiencing at home. And so I dived into the drug culture. And when you go into drugs, you are opening the gateway to hell. Drugs are actually from a Greek word pharmakia, and pharmakia in the Greek means sorcery. So if you go into drugs, you are literally opening yourself up to the equivalent of sorcery, of demonic oppression, demonic attack. You are, you are saying to the devil, come in to my life when you go to drugs. So unfortunately, I went into drugs. And when I went into drugs, like anybody else, if you go into drugs, you never come out unscathed. You never come out without consequences. And I didn't either. When I came to Jesus Christ, I was in a juvenile detention center in jail for sale of narcotics. But I was in way more trouble in my mind than I was just being in jail. Because drugs damaged me. And see, when I came to Jesus in jail, I heard the gospel for the first time when I came to Jesus in jail. My soul was saved. My spirit was saved. But my mind needed to be renewed. Because of the drug abuse, I had all kinds of irrational fears. I would wake up every day tormented, tormented with irrational fears that were the result of being involved in drugs. And and I was paralyzed with fear. I couldn't function in half of my life because of fear and because of confusion. I couldn't concentrate on any one single thing for very long. My mind was so affected by the drug use. And every day I would say, God, what, where am I going to find relief? What am I going to do? It's affecting my life. How am I ever going to get out of this? How am I ever going to be healed? What is your answer for me? And one day I heard somebody preach. And he quoted this verse. He said, the law of the Lord 
is perfect, restoring the soul. And, and the Holy Ghost took that and carried it like an arrow that found its mark in my heart. Because I knew the law of the Lord means the word of the Lord. And the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And here's what that verse is saying. The word of God is perfect healing your mind. Come on, everybody. You say, oh, come on, Jeff, it's just a book. No, it's not just a book. It's the only book on earth that didn't come from earth. It's a supernatural book. It's without error. It's the very word of God. It's a book unlike any other. It is God-breathed. It is breathed out by God. And it says, he sent his word and healed them. So I said, well, if my healing, if I can get out of this torment in my mind by the word of God, then then nobody's going to do it like I'm going to do it. So I started memorizing large portions of scripture. I memorized Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, the whole Sermon on the Mount. I memorized the entire book of James. I memorized Psalms 19, Psalms 1, Psalms 5, all kinds of Psalms and Proverbs. I started memorizing, internalizing, assimilating the Word of God where it became a part of me. I would call Kathy from work and say, are you ready? Can you sit and listen for a little bit? And she'd say, okay, let me sit down. And I would quote for her the Sermon on the Mount by memory, every comma every period, exactly as it was written, and I began to do exactly what it said. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring your mind. The word of God is perfect, healing your mind. And you know what I began to realize? After several weeks, I would begin to wake up and realize I had peace in my mind instead of the torment. Some of the raging storm was stilled. The waves weren't rolling as high. I felt better up here. And I kept on memorizing and kept on memorizing until one day I woke up and I said, you know what, Kathy? I think I'm healed. I no longer have these issues in my mind. The word of the Lord healed my mind. Now, you may make fun of that, but I'll guarantee you it beats smoking something, drinking something, shooting something, snorting something to get your mind fixed. It's one thing to try to cover up your trouble. It's another thing to have God reach down and really heal your trouble. So my mind was healed. And that's why you always hear me saying, there is power in this. It's my life message. I discovered in my pain the power of the word of God. And you can too. Where are you in your life with pain? Are you suffering with heartbreak? Somebody torn your heart up? Are you dealing with fear like I did? Confusion? Anger? Unforgiveness? What is it that is bringing pain to you? I want to tell you, it's the same thing. He'll send his word and heal you. And that's responding in faith to pain. Don't do what Israel did in the wilderness. They complained in their pain. 
They murmured, they accused God, they pouted, they threw pity parties, but they never learned to see God's purpose in their pain. See, if I see a purpose in what I'm going through, I can go through anything. And God always has a purpose in our pain. Oh, he does. Now I'm going to share with you one last thing that God does with our pain. And this is good, and I want you to get this. Are you ready? God literally recycles our pain. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. If you live in the city, then the, the, the city has given you a trash can. And on the top of it, it says, recycling only. I rebelled against that thing for so long. I don't want the city telling me when I go out to empty my trash, what I can put in it, what I can't. But Kathy is huge on recycling, and I got tired of her catching me, putting things in there that I'm not supposed to. She'd go digging in it and pull the stuff out that I wasn't supposed to put in there and would bring it to me and show it to me. So I got to where I saw her coming. And I knew, I could see the look on her face. Uh Uh-oh, I threw something in recycling. But here's the thing with recycling. Here's the deal. What I thought was trash, the city sees as something that can be recycled and reused for someone else's benefit. You know where I'm going with this. Because here's the deal. God takes our pain. We want to just throw that thing away. We don't see any use in pain. Boy, I want to get out of this pain. The only thing we ever think about pain is how fast can we get out? But God looks at our pain and he says, no, 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 no. Don't just throw that out like trash because that is recyclable to me. Let me read to you what it says. 2 Corinthians 1, 4 says, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that, everybody say, so that he can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. You know what you get from me every single week when I tell you the power of the word of God? It's my recycled pain. Because I didn't see any value to what I was going through. But here's the good deal. When you're a believer, you're always in a win-win position. Because God said no matter what you go through, whether it's the devil attacking you or you making your own mistakes, whatever brings pain and trouble to you, God has already decreed before the foundation of the world, I will grab hold of that thing and I will work it together for the good. I will work it together for the good of those who love God and are the call according to his purpose. So that God never wastes a pain, our pain, my pain, your pain. He recycles it. He says, okay, there you are hurting. There you are in pain. You see no way out. The only thing you see coming down at the end of the tunnel, the only light that's there is an oncoming train. 
You don't see any escape, any hope. But God looks at your pain and he says, no, 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 don't throw it away because I'm going to recycle it. I'm going to carry you through it. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to carry you. And somebody is waiting on the other side of your pain. Somebody that needs what you've gone through. And when you go through it, you're able to say, hey, I've been where you are, and God comforted me, he spoke to me, he carried me, he made a way where there was no way, he became my way maker, he was faithful to me, he was good to me, don't give up, he's with you, he will not walk out, he's going to finish what he started, the faith that he birthed in you, he's going to carry it through to the end, you can trust him at all times. And then you're now taking the pain you went through, and it's recycled into blessing for people who are hurting. So I want us to stand together today, can we? I want you to say with me, don't waste your pain. Let God heal it, recycle it, utilize it, and use it to bless other people. I gave you three things God will do with pain. I know we're talking a lot. I like to hear you preach too, so say this with me. One, in our pain we learn the power of the word. In our pain, our greatest life messages are born. And God recycles my pain to help others who are hurting. So I can't lose. You don't lose. Can we lift our hands to the wonderful creator God?